Welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. We have a great guest on our podcast today. Dr. Julie Hanks is a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist with nearly 30 years experience specializing in women's emotional health and relationships. She's an assistant professor of social work at Utah Valley University. Dr. Hanks is the founder and director of Wasatch Family Therapy, an outpatient therapy clinic in Cottonwood Heights and Bountiful, Utah. She is the author of The Burnout Cure and The Assertiveness Guide for Women, a blogger, a local and national media contributor, an online influencer, a private practice consultant, and an award-winning performing songwriter. A native Californian, Dr. Hanks currently lives with her family in Sandy, Utah. I'm so excited to have this powerhouse of a human being and woman. Let's get right into it. Welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. I'm so excited to have an expert in her field, Dr. Julie Hanks, with us this week. Um, It's going to be exciting. We're going to talk about a lot of great things. So, Dr. Julie Hanks, can you introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah. Hi. I'm happy to be on the show. Um, Do you want me to tell a little bit about myself? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So, I've been a therapist for almost... 30 years. Uh, I've kind of moved away from doing therapy. I'm doing coaching now. I own a therapy practice in Utah, and I'm an assistant professor of social work at Utah Valley University. Um, do I do a lot of different things, write, speak, I'm on social media. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. You're everywhere. It's great. <laughs> what, you know, now that you brought that up, why, why the shift? What in your mind is the difference in, in the shift of from therapy to coaching? So, well, there was kind of an evolution. Uh, I I felt a few years back that I was just, I needed to put my energy elsewhere. And so I stopped seeing clients. I was running a practice. I was getting my PhD. So I stopped seeing clients. So then um, I missed seeing clients, but I didn't want the emotional weight of doing therapy. So I started taking just a few uh, shorter term problem solving kinds of clients where it's not the depth work of therapy. And that's, it's kind of grown and it's just been a lot of fun. (laughs) And that's a, that's a great explanation of the difference between the two. And, and, you know, I I think for myself, I kind of consider myself more of a modern therapist where Mm -hmm. I kind of combine the two of them where I Mm. do coaching and I do therapy because I am certified. I'm a licensed therapist Right. And I'm trained and I'm, you know, I went to school and I have supervision and all the things that I go, go into being a therapist. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that coaching is like foreign or this crazy concept. And I think as a therapy model, I think we're embracing that style um, when you do it with the intention to help someone, not to take their money or steal their money. You know, right. if someone out there, like a life coach or someone, a coach or a business coach, is there just to get your money or just there to have, have no training or no skill behind it, that's not helpful. It has to be helpful. Right. So I love the fact that you transitioned one for yourself. That's amazing. That's a lot of self-care and self-awareness. And two, you're like, wait, I love this. This is great. And then you're like, yeah. okay, I'm going to fall into this. This is awesome. Yeah. So it's, I always say therapists can do coaching, but if you're, if you're just a coach, you cannot do therapy. So I've been trained to like you to be a therapist and, uh, so it just was a natural transition. I love that you just said that. 
that therapists can do coaching. Coaching should not be doing therapy. And if it's out of right. your realm of knowledge and training, refer, pass along, trust that someone else can help them because you don't want to end up hurting your pre- the people that you work with. You want to end up, this idea of wellness is the goal of mm-hmm. everything in this world, whether it's coaching, therapy, LMHC, LMFT, PsyD, PhD, L- LCSW, it's all about wellness. So if you right. can't do it, pass on to someone that can. Um, yeah. I want to get into you a little bit. I did some research. I love your work. I really do. I was going through your website, you. and your blogs, and you have so much content on your website. <laughs> I couldn't pick and choose. I'm like, okay, I only have 30, 45 minutes to talk to this wonderful person. There's, there's, so there's 16, 17 pages of, of content of each topic, which just yeah. shows your, your breadth of knowledge, which is amazing. <laughs> it's over well over a thousand blog posts on there. So. I think I have maybe six on my website. I stink at writing. You know, that's why I started a podcast. I'm like, I'm a better talker than I'm a writer. Um, yeah. So I love that you have so many different um, avenues to gain knowledge from anyone who can access your stuff. And we'll get into where people can find you. And of course, we'll be in the show notes, of course. But I want to first start off with the aspirational shame in parenting. Okay. I, I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. I'm a parent of a, uh, of a 19-month-old little, little, little lady who is coming into her own. And there's a lot of guilt and shame and worry and all those emotions and feelings that come into parenting. Can you talk about what that means, the aspirational shame in parenting? And we can get into that a little bit once you explain it. Yeah. So I, I coined the phrase specifically uh, for to describe the experience of highly religious mothers and how uh, feeling the pressure to be a mother and then feeling shame about wanting to do anything outside of, of family life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm glad you think it applies to men too. So I, <laughs> I, 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 I basically said parents, you know, I know you come from a more perspective of a mother, you are mm-hmm. a mother and correct me if I'm wrong. You're also, you practice Mormonism. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love, that's one, another reason why I want to have you on. I'm a religious Jew. And I truly awesome. feel that if I could fit into one area in the world, in America, I feel like Utah, regarding the value system that the Mormons bring to the world, specifically Utah as a whole, is is very much in line with a, a, a family-oriented value system. And I, right. love, I love that. Um, yeah. And I'm always trying to bring on different voices from different walks of life, different religions, different aspects, and different backgrounds. And you kind of checked off every box possible. So- that that idea of of parenting and mm-hmm. investing your time and energy and emotion into being a parent and then mm-hmm. not being able to do the other things how does that impact someone where does that kind of land in someone's lap and how do they how do they deal with that how do they cope with that yeah so i developed this concept out of my own experience and w- with working with a lot of of members of the latter day saint faith uh i grew up hearing and being taught at church that my highest calling was motherhood. And I had all these other dreams too. And so I felt like something was wrong with me because I had dreams to be a therapist and a performing songwriter and own a business. And, and so I, I've done all those things that I wanted to do, but I've carried a lot of shame about it. Like something's wrong with me for wanting so much from my own life. And not being able to 
wholly, you know, just embrace motherhood. So that's kind of where the concepts uh, came from. And I've been able to work through that shame. And I help a lot of other women work through that shame and recognize that motherhood is an aspect of your life, but it's not your life. Your life is your life. <laughs> so um, trying to break out of that and and help other women break out of that as well. And, and you've broken out of it. You, you are a, a songwriter, right? And you mm-hmm. are a writer, a speaker, a therapist. You're doing all those things and it doesn't make you any less of a holy or religious woman or less a family oriented mother. Right. It makes right. you, you, and that's beautiful. You know, there's this concept in, in Judaism called like a balabusta, like someone who is like the, the woman of the house. Mm. And, um, uh, and all you can envision is like the woman with the hair covering on cooking and cleaning and taking care of the 15 children and, yeah. and not, <laughs> and not having, their own quote unquote life or soul mm-hmm. or purpose. And sometimes people are made for that. And that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. If that's your calling, if that's who you want to be, if that's your life that you embrace, go for it. But if it's right. not, it doesn't mean you shouldn't embrace the other parts of you. Cause that's just as beautiful than being a mother or a parent. Right. Amen. I yeah. totally agree. And it's hard. Totally it's hard agree. when you're being taught from a young age that your life is family. And when Mm -hmm. you want to even think about something outside of that construct, you're like, wait, maybe I'm a bad person for not, for not doing that, for not only being family oriented. Right. And that can really play with your, your goals and your life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I found, so I wrote a blog post about it several years ago and it just resonated with so many religious women like oh my gosh there's a name for this thing this uh, i i feel bad for wanting to go back to grad school or you know do my business or whatever and i'm like no no shame needed be you your kids and your family need you yeah to be thriving i love that and then to continue that idea because i work with a lot of parents i work Mm -hmm. with i talk to about parenting as a as a as a father um i also post things on behalf of my wife uh, and the idea of parenting and something yeah. that I felt a lot more than my, my wife did was postpartum anxiety slash depression. Mm-hmm. And this idea of being, I know you talk about good mothering, mm-hmm. but um, good parenting. And yeah. I had my first panic attack after my baby was born. Mm. And I was, as a therapist, was so trying to keep a watch out for my wife, making sure <laughs> that she was okay. Cause everyone talked about postpartum depression, postpartum depression yeah. that I forgot about myself. So you talk about that a lot, about being a good mother. Right. Can you talk about what that truly means and how it can kind of relate to the postpartum anxiety and depression symptoms? Yes, we have unrealistic expectations of women and men. And we don't allow for that individual expression like we were talking about. And so I think that this pressure on men to be like the provider and to um, to take care of the family and protect, and then the woman to you know be this domestic goddess and you know bounce back from having a baby in two weeks or less physically, and to love you know automatically love being a mom and be find all fulfillment. And so there there are just these high expectations that are are not reality. And I try to help parents frame parenthood as a relationship, not a role. Mm. 
So it, you're, it's about the connection between you and your child, not about this checklist of things to do or ways to be a good dad or a good mom. It's about the relationship. It's yeah. ultimately a connection and you get to decide mm-hmm. how you want to, uh, how you want to, that to look that it's going to change for every it changes family for each person. Right? Yep. My wife, the second my daughter was born, um, well, we had a, you know, a, a last second emergency C-section mm. and everything worked out fine. And the, and thank God baby's healthy um, and was healthy and no complications in that aspect. But the second my wife could, my baby latched on and they connected like instantly. Mm-hmm. And my wife was overwhelmed with this connection and joy and love. And, and we went through IVF. So like this buildup for this mm. child was just... <laughs> I can't even describe the emotions, but for me, I was, I didn't feel that right away, even Mm -hmm. with the, uh, you know, the, the skin to skin and all those cute things that we do as fathers. Um, and it took paternity leave. And I talk about this a lot. It took me to be left alone with the, with my daughter to Mm -hmm. make that connection. But I did feel the pressure to have that connection. And why am I not having that connection yet? She's Mm -hmm. my daughter. I should love her. I've wanted this since I was a teenager. I want to be a dad. I want to be a dad. I love her, but I don't feel that overwhelming joy. And it was crushing the feeling of not being where my Mm. wife was or where I see other dads are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what creates that expectation? Where does that come from? This unrealistic (laughs) view that you need to, or have to be an all or nothing or this or that kind of mentality. Where does that come from? I actually did a Ted X talk uh, called the cost of idealizing motherhood. I know so you have. I highly That's recommend because I it. go into like history of kind of how this developed. But I think um, in general, we we kind of have these rigid gender roles for men and for women and these expectations of what parenthood is going to look like Mm -hmm. that are unrealistic. And so when you don't measure up to that, you feel bad about yourself. You feel shame. You feel not good enough. I'm a bad dad. I'm a bad mom. Um, So I think our society sets up unrealistic expectations in a lot of areas, like how you should look, how much money you should make, Mm -hmm. how, you know, how successful you should be. And that, that kind of uh, goes into parenthood and what you're supposed to feel and do and be in parenthood. I remember my wife when she had a C-section and she was sitting on the couch um, feeling like I can't hold my baby right now. I can't carry her. I can't hold her. I can't pick Mm -hmm. her up. What's wrong with me? I should be able to do this. And it was like a very hard journey for her to come to an acceptance of where she was compared to where social media moms or like, mm-hmm. look at me, I'm all beautifully dressed the day after I come out of the hospital. Like, that's not reality. That's, yeah. you know, celebrities and people who have 15 team members who are making their, doing their makeup, picking out clothes, you know, the second the picture's done, give it to an assistant, whatever it might be. Yeah. But I love, it's so funny how I, I think society loves seeing realism with social media. So like, mm-hmm. for example, when Chrissy Teigen posts about her struggling when she lost her baby. Or mm-hmm. other celebrities like parenting is hard. Look at the, my daughter just pooped all over me. Like all those right. kind of things. We're like, oh my gosh, they're human. Yes, they are. And so are we. And it's sometimes very hard for when the expectations are met or not met. And they look so perfect online mm-hmm. or 
others, the other person that looks so put together as a mother or father, it can really crush you as a parent. Right. It's about keeping your head on straight with talking to someone. And seeing and knowing that perfection doesn't exist. So if you see it, be skeptical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, I knew you did a TED talk and I'll put it in the show notes as well that it was, it's a really great TED talk, everyone. It's, you know, oh, thank you. one of a kind. Eli, thanks. Thank um, you. I want to talk about one of your books, The Burnout Cure. Okay. Okay. Because as a therapist and as a human being, we all get burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, how, uh, could you tell us what pushed you to to write the book, and then we'll talk about what burnout is and how to to work on it. But what kind of started yeah. the that journey of getting you to write this book about burnout? Working with uh, a lot of people who are highly religious, who are trying really hard to be a good person and a mm-hmm. good, you know, good human being, a good parent. Um, and this book is written specifically for women. And it's based on, I would, I speak a lot. And so I started surveying uh, Latter-day Saint groups of women that I would go speak to. And I realized, oh, I have like 3000 surveys now after a, a few years. Mm-hmm. And so I, I include some of that survey uh, data in the, in the book. Uh, but just my experience as a therapist, working with women who there were the, all of these common beliefs that were getting in the way and creating burnout. Mm-hmm. So can you, can you explain to the listeners if they don't know what is like a very simple explanation of what burnout means? It is feeling maxed out, uh, low energy, loss of hope. Um, and then, yeah, it's mostly like low energy. Like yeah. I can't, I can't continue going the way I'm going. It's like uh, running on empty in your car. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and there's nothing left to give. Yeah. It's, and, and that's a very hard feeling to be. Mm-hmm. I know I've been there as a therapist. Um, I know my colleagues have been there um, when you're just trying to do so much and there's nothing left to give from your resources to whatever yeah. you're putting your energy to because there's nothing left. And it's like running on empty ends up destroying the engine. Right. which is your, right. your soul, your mind, your body, and it affects you in so many ways. And I think for me, as, as a therapist, I talk a lot about self-care. Self-care. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what would be, since you're the expert, you wrote a book on it, I have not. Um, what are some you know, research-based or even your experience of doing this work and the surveys of ways to maybe prevent or fight burnout, mm-hmm. either be- before it happens, pre-burnout, or when you start seeing the signs of burnout, how do you kind of get a head start on not letting it get up, catch up to you. Yeah. So the first thing thing is to become more emotionally aware. So you're aware of the cues that you, your body is giving you, like if you're resentful or if, you know, something needs to change so you don't get to burnout. So letting yourself feel and express a full range of emotion, happy, mad, sad, scared, surprised, disgust, and shame. So letting yourself feel that, identify it. And then what is that emotion trying to tell me about this Mm -hmm. relationship or about my job? Or so I always say, if you resentment is a gift, if you feel resentment, you're not setting a boundary. So you need to, you know, say no more, pull back, tell someone you can't do something you committed to do, whatever that is. Um, Another thing is to 
be willing to ask for support. So often we have this belief that I should be able to do this by myself. I should be able to do this hard thing by myself. And we can ask for help. We can ask for support. We can mm-hmm. say, you know, I need comfort or I need to, a friend to talk to or a shoulder to cry on or I need help with my kids or whatever to ask for help. That's a good prevention strategy. Um, another aspect is taking responsibility for your own happiness and not looking to other people to make you happy. Hmm. Um, And doing something every day that brings you joy and kind of fills your uh, emotional and physical gas tank. Uh, So those are just a few things you can do. I think the hardest part is sometimes we're so worried to ask for help because of shame or guilt. Like, oh, I look weak. I don't look like I have it all together. But Mm -hmm. a lot of times, and I'm just from experience as a a therapist, as a a parent, we, Mm -hmm. we need to ask for help. We cannot do it alone. Right. We can't do anything alone. At right. some point, there is a breaking point where we need to reach out. And if that means just talking to a friend, asking your partner, spouse, parents, in-laws, cousins, brothers, dog for help, that's really important because if it's just for a half an hour or an hour of that time to help you recharge, fill up that tank, you can that be that much better for whatever you're putting your mind to. And mm-hmm. it's not a weakness. It's called being human and making sure you're taking care of yourself. Because yeah, self-care. If you, it, if you let it get to a point where it's burnout, it's a lot harder to come back from that than you hit it halfway through and you charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yep. think it's, I, I, I would say from, from watching and listening and reading and, and experience that a lot of women feel that a lot more than men do. I feel like mm-hmm. women are pulled and asked so much more of them, whether mm-hmm. it's work, family, um, environment, all the things that are going on, especially if you're a mom and you have more than one kid. I mean, the default is you sometimes. And that, that alone can be draining Mm -hmm. uh, when you're just dealing with family. And on top of it, if you have a career, a job, a writer, a speaker, all these things that you're doing, it can be taxing and it's important to create boundaries. And I love that resent resentment piece to create healthier boundaries. I remember when I was in high school, I used to, I was on a, um, involved in a religious organization called NCSY. It was a youth mm-hmm. organization for Jewish teens. And I was one of the leaders of the teenagers. And one of the head people said to me once, they were giving jobs out to each teenager to make them feel empowered. And yeah. it was really cool. And she said, can you do this? And I said, yeah, I think so. She goes, beware that if you say yes, I'm asking you to commit to it. It's okay to say no if you can't. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to say no because no means you're making the boundary. If you say yes, I'm committing you to it. And if you fail mm-hmm. or don't do it, that will upset me more than you saying no right now. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget that lesson of creating a healthy boundary <laughs> of being okay to say no yeah. if you can't yeah. really do something. That's actually one of the tips in my book is give yourself permission to say no. Say and because no. it's a fundamental boundary, you could say, say no, maybe later, you know, when I reach out to yeah. people for podcast guesting or to be on a podcast, I'm allowed to say no. And they're allowed to say no right now. I'm busy and that's right. okay. Um, you know, and then I want to continue going on with the, uh, the work that you do for women. You know, mm-hmm. I love how you're an advocate for women and the idea of being assertive 
setting boundaries and caring for their well-being. Mm-hmm. And for the female listeners that hopefully are listening, what are your top tips to create this wonderful world of assertiveness, boundaries, and well-being? And want to cl- I want to just clarify for a second, assertiveness does not mean aggression, right? Being aggressive right. is an unhealthy reaction to something or a way of communication. Assertiveness means saying what you say with purpose, concise, and to the point with fervor, not anger, but not being passive and being walked off all over. Mm-hmm. And there's a very hard balance to create that. So for the women listeners out there and the female listeners, how do you create that boundary setting assertive lifestyle? Yeah, that's, I know it's a we big could talk question. about that. <laughs> that is a big question. Uh, one of the ways is to prioritize yourself as equal to your partner and children. <laughs> Too often women put their, their goals, dreams, and needs as less important than other people. And so put them on the same level. So it's, it's always like, how are you negotiating uh, everyone's needs, but you're you're in that mix too. Don't leave yourself out. So uh, include yourself in your cir- circle of care. Don't leave yourself out. So that's one way. Uh, I use. And, and just to add, oh, that's not yeah. doesn't mean you're being selfish. No, does selfish, not mean you're being selfish. Selfish is doing what's in your best interest without regard for others. Good. So if your regard, if you have regard for others doing what's in your best interest is not selfish because <laughs> you're aware of and mindful of the impact on other people and you're you care about that selfish is not caring about the impact on other people and i think people worry that if they are assertive or they are taking care of themselves or they are putting themselves first at this moment that all of a sudden they're being selfish beings and it's the worst thing in the world but in reality it's not We're not Mm -hmm. saying that you should then cut every single line and be a nasty human being just because you have to be a priority and be in that circle and be taking care of yourself or be in the loop. It just Mm -hmm. means that you need to consider yourself as well as part of the conversation and not at the end or not even part of the conversation. Right. You're in the mix. Exactly. Um, I, I like to think about assertiveness as holding up a lantern. So if you're holding up a lantern and your, your feet are shoulder width apart and you're holding up this light, you you can see you're illuminating the situation or the relationship uh, for yourself and for other people. So this is my experience. This is what I think, feel, want, and need. What's your experience? What what do you think, feel, want, and need? And so it's this mutuality uh, where there's there's space for you to be you, and there's space for the other person to have different opinions, needs, feelings, and all of that. And so I really like to think about assertiveness as holding up a lantern. I love that. I think we need that nowadays more than ever. Mm-hmm. I think with the social media world and the political world that we're in, I'm not getting into that right now. This is not the podcast <laughs> for politics. And, you know, but I think there's so much um, opinions and ideas that if we just heard the other person, said our piece in an assertive way, listen to their opinion, and we're just with each other and hearing each other and respecting each other, I think a lot more things would get done in this world, um, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, but that's not here nor there. I agree. <laughs> not I here agree. nor there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just to, to wrap up at the end, 
because I can really talk to you about all the topics because you have so many for hours. Um, one of the things I like to talk about, because when I find someone who's also religious, I love to understand what that means for them. Mm-hmm. Right? I know what it means to be a religious Jew for me um, mm-hmm. and how it shaped me as a human being and helps keep me grounded, whether it's through prayer, through my community, through all the things that make me me. Um, how do you feel being in Utah, part of the Mormon faith, shaping you as a human being, maybe your values, your outlook that can maybe enlighten some people out there who maybe have either misconceptions or ideas about Mormonism, that uh, it's not the Book of Mormon from Broadway, but something a little, probably a little <laughs> yeah, different, a little it's different, not that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's, to kind of to help help understand a little more. Yeah, so I was raised in the in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and a lot of people have the the miss or the you know the belief that we worship Joseph Smith who is the prophet um <laughs> uh, but it's the Church of Jesus Christ and so we worship Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I want to make that really clear and so that's been my spiritual path is to look at his life and try to model my life after him. Mm-hmm. Um, our faith requires a lot of time mm-hmm. and, and that's been really great for me uh, to, to be aware of the needs of other people, to serve, to volunteer. Yeah. Um, the, you already mentioned valuing family. I highly value my, my family and those relationships Um, A wonderful thing about my faith is that wherever I go in the world, I have a community of people automatically where I can find uh, a Latter-day Saint church and then have immediate friends. And we call each other brother and sister in in the church. And and so that's a really cool um, aspect of Mm -hmm. the, the faith. Um, and there are a lot of things wrong with it too. There's a lot of, you know, things that I, I think I wish were different and I'm working to try and, you know, help, help move things along in whatever way I can. Um, but, but the core belief in Jesus Christ and the belief that, uh, in personal revelation that God speaks to us and guides our lives is really beautiful. I love So that. our, our idea of, deity is very personal and um and that that's been really meaningful to me i love that you said that it's not perfect right there's there's issues just like just like judaism there's issues with it as well and um i love that idea of community you know there's something in judaism called chabad um Mm. which is like an organization or it's a sect of judaism of hasidic Mm -hmm. of the hasidic movement Mm -hmm. and they have chabad houses in every single country Mm-hmm. in the world that yeah. you can go and you know, you can have a meal, you know, you have a kosher, kosher uh, food, you know, mm-hmm. you have someone who you can relate to with prayers and all that kind of stuff. And there's something about having community, no matter where you go, that yeah. is a very uh, calming thing, but it mm-hmm. um, as well. Um, I love that it creates a sense of value. And there are plenty of people out there who do not believe who are either atheists or agnostics who have values. I'm not saying that they don't, they don't yeah. but I think the thing that the religion does is it creates a sense of community and mm-hmm. connection to people um, and human beings and yourself internally. Yeah. That is yeah. something that 
um, is a very beautiful thing. Um, do yeah. you think that that may pushed you towards being a therapist? Um, so what, like what pushed you to being so, a therapist? So my own experience in therapy as a teenager was life changing mm. and opened up this whole world of intangibles of thoughts and feelings that, that I didn't have a language for until then. And so my positive experience really inspired me to, uh, to want to go into the mental health field and become a therapist. Same. I thought I want to do that for somebody else. That's life, you know, it's life changing. Religion mm. can be life changing. Therapy can be life changing, right? Uh, so it's just another way to help and support support people. What What is your? You know, I know we we talked about a lot of different things all over the place. Uh, and I feel there's a theme about embracing parenting or motherhood, about what it means to be a mom, to be a powerful um, and empowered woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think that's so important um, for, I know uh, my daughter, I hope that she grows up that way. She's pretty independent right now. She, you know, <laughs> she knows what she wants. She says what she wants. She yeah. does what she wants. And she's only a year and a half old, um, which I think, I hope I'm doing a good job then as a father yeah. and my wife, as a mother, embracing her as a little, little woman, um, mm-hmm. a little lady. And um, for people who, who struggle with this, for people who um, want to find you, talk to you, reach out to you, mm. where can they reach out to you the best way possible? Yeah. So I'm on social media at Dr. Julie Hanks, Dr. Julie Hanks. And my website is drjuliehanks.com. And I, I read all the messages I get and I uh, am active on social media every day. I really enjoy it. And so I'd, I'd love to connect with any of your listeners who feel like I could be a resource for them. Of course. And I also, just so people know, I share your stuff all the time. I see a post and I'm like, <laughs> this needs to go out. This needs to be shared on my stories, whether it's, you know, a great idea, a concept, a quote, a thought, whatever, uh, amazing content you're putting out there, which is why you have so many followers. Um, cause if you didn't do a good job, you, you know, you wouldn't. So you yeah, are doing yeah, something really, you. really great. And I think you, you. you hit on a lot of people's hearts and, and souls and minds about what it means to be healthy and, and well, and a well, and a full person. Yeah. And to have you on my show, I'm very honored because oh, you know, thank you. as a therapist to a, to an expert and, and specialist and therapist as well. Um, I strive to, to, to make the impact that you, you have done, whether it's writing books, you know, the, a million blog posts you have, and, <laughs> uh, the, the podcasts and the, the TV, the TV expertise and all the things that you do. Um, hopefully people will enjoy this episode. Um, and really thank you so much. And I want to plug something for a second. Your podcast is coming out Yay! February 2nd, right? Yes. Are, I'm they, so and can excited. you explain to our listeners what the podcast is about. Yeah, it's Ask Dr. Julie Hanks. And I, every episode is me talking to a real person with a struggle and, or a question for me and coaching them through and kind of, um, you know, untangling some of their dysfunctional thoughts. And, you know, so it's a, basically a coaching session that you get to listen guts. in on. I would ne- I would be so nervous to do that as a therapist for people to listen to. I'm, I, you know, I'm scared when my clients quote me to their friends like something. I'm like, okay, this stays between us. Like, don't tell because yeah. like it's nerve wracking. Oh, my therapist said X, Y, and Z. But now 
you're giving, I think the beauty of what your podcast can do for so many people who, who will hopefully be listening is that it shows them real life things. It's not just an expert talking about something in a textbook or in a book or the book that they wrote, but someone's mm-hmm. real experience of a real person going through something that might really connect to them at yeah, a very, yeah. very intimate way. I love that idea. And hopefully, I mean, my goal is that listeners will see themselves in every yeah. guest that I have on there that they'll, and that there will be some practical tools and skills or reframes that they can take and change and make positive changes in their lives. So that's my goal. I cannot wait to listen. See how it goes. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> wait to you. listen. I'm sure it's been a long time coming. I'm sure yeah. it's been a lot of hard work. And mm-hmm. I can't wait to be one of the listeners to uh, to hear what amazing tips you have for people who come on your podcast. And thank again, you. thank you so much for coming on and spending the time with us on the Dude Therapist. Uh, any last words of advice, a little piece of tidbit, a gold nugget that you have before we close out? Just gratitude. Thanks for the chance to have a, an interesting conversation. And I appreciate your interest in, in my work. And I just want to thank you. Of course. Anytime. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Dude Therapist Podcast. It was a pleasure having Dr. Julie Hanks on. As at always, you can reach out to her on her website, drjuliehanks.com. Follow her on Instagram. And she's launching a podcast February 2nd. It's a Q&A style with guests coming on talking to Dr. Julie Hanks and how she can help them in their daily life. As always, you can reach me with comments, ideas, thoughts, questions, and collaborations at thedudetherapist at gmail.com or DM me anytime, anywhere at thedudetherapist on Instagram. Don't forget to be kind to yourself and to everyone around you. See you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast. Thank you so much to listening to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. And it only is happening because of you, the listeners, tuning in every week, even twice a week, to this show all about mental health, relationships, and wellness topics. And really, let's be honest, everything in between. And I'm so excited to show up every time and having great guests. So thank you. And if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your ideas. I can't wait to hear from you. And if you can go along, subscribe, rate, review on all the streaming sites that you're listening on. I truly appreciate it because that's what makes this thing happen. So thanks for tuning in this week. And see you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast, as we've got more guests and more great content coming your way.